0: Welcome to Inside Independent Publishing with IBPA. I'm your host, Christopher Locke, and I'm also the Director of Membership and Member Services at IBPA. So one quick announcement, uh, we have the IBPA Publishing University coming up in April. So during this show, very exciting, uh, we want to give a gift to all you listeners. So we are going to do a one 1-5, 15% off uh, promo code. So you have to watch the whole show, uh, but then you will get a chance to get 15% off registration. Awesome, all right, so now onto today's podcast. Okay, so the US has thousands of libraries, so if an independent publisher can get their books carried in the library market, it can be great exposure for their books, and also it's a lucrative endeavor. But how does an independent publisher get their books into libraries? So uh, today on Inside Independent Publishing with IBPA, uh, we've invited founder and former CEO of Biblio Labs, who is now the senior manager of the Biblio Labs division at Lyricist, Mitchell Davis, to share tips for independent publishers and author publishers to get their books into libraries. Hello, Mitchell. How are you? Hi
1: hey there. Very good. Thanks so much for having me. Really yeah,
0: that's a, a huge mouthful there, right? All right. So uh, I want to start off. Um, there are some publishers that uh, sometimes reach out and they ask me about having their books in the libraries because they get worried it, it, because it, people are getting them for free there uh, that it'll cut into their retail sales. So I just wanted to maybe do a quick explanation of why that is not the case, why it is good for any publishers to get their books into libraries.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, Library Journal um, several years ago did some patron profile surveys where they essentially interviewed people about their interactions with books and how the library sort of played into those interactions with books. And that ended up uh, producing some data that said that over 50% of library patrons uh, who discovered an author in the library went on to purchase a book from that author. Um, I think that's one of the data points I think that's easy to point out and say, hey, look, you know library patrons are book lovers um they are um they believe in copyright they believe in artists being compensated for their work um and so you know it is the kind of people that you you want to get your book in front of so i mean for us the library is a massive discovery channel for for both um author publishers and for for small independent publishers
0: awesome okay so let's get to the nuts and bolts so you have a book You want libraries to carry it where do librarians buy books
1: yeah it depends um you know print and e are a bit different um um, you know in terms of the kind of prevailing models that sort of dominate the library landscape today um, they do have a few print vendors that they order from Um, ingram is one so certainly working with Um, lightning source and with the ingram spark program um, gets you into that channel Um, ingram offers a number of value-add services for libraries including providing the mark records and mylar jackets and things like that so so in print um, absolutely i think you want to be there i mean also you know kind of a little-known fact i think but that amazon is probably if not the largest library print ordering channel is certainly one of them and has been for quite some time Um, not because amazon necessarily focuses on that as a market but just because they get things to people cheaper and faster than a lot of the vendors in the industry so as a default um, amazon has become a huge ordering channel for libraries too so certainly you know, I don't have to tell anybody who's listening to this they need to have to book on Amazon, but it does. Uh, alter, I've never heard know, of
0: Amazon, so thanks for letting me know. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> new player, new player. They might they might stick around for a while. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually, uh, the first company I founded, I we sold to Amazon, and so I actually worked at Amazon for a couple of years. I was back there like two thousand five, two thousand seven. Yeah,
0: CreateSpace, right? It became CreateSpace. Became
1: CreateSpace. Yeah, and I remember one of the first meetings I went to out there. Um, was with basically kind of a vice president of of institutional sales kind of guy. And um, I had been tasked with writing up whether Amazon should get into the library market, doing things like Mark records and Mylar jackets and POs and stuff like that. And so I kind of wrote up, uh, here's what it would take. Um, And I went to the meeting and the guy read the first two sentences and basically looked at me and said, You know, Amazon probably sells more books to libraries than any company in the US, and we don't have anybody in the building who even thinks about libraries, right? Mm. And I took my little paper and pedaled on down the hall, and (laughs) that was the last we ever heard of it. So, Mm. you know, they, you know, I don't think they mean to disrupt industries the way they do. They just, you know, do things so well, they end up doing that. So, um, and Print Baker and Taylor, obviously, is a big vendor in print as well. So, you know, finding, finding ways to sort of get into that. I think electronically, from an ebook standpoint, um, there's really one name today, and that's OverDrive. I mean, OverDrive is ninety plus percent share of, of uh, the library market in terms of ebooks. There are other folks, cloud library, Access uh, um, three hundred and sixty um, who do who do you know make make sales, but OverDrive is 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 definitely the dominant player. I think you know when we started Bibliolabs. We had delusions um, that we would be able to compete with with overdrive. we We created a great tech. We went out and did licensing with publishers that libraries said they wanted, which is sim use, you know ownership of files, all these things that that um, were were hard to go out and convince publishers to do. But I think ultimately the reason we were successful at convincing publishers to do that is because, publishers need libraries they need libraries as a platform they need them as a distribution channel they need someone else in the marketplace who cares about books as much as they do and though amazon certainly generates the lion's share of most publishers revenue you know books is a rounding error of a spreadsheet for Amazon. So, you know, having another party that's invested in the future of the book, I think, is important and publishers need to keep libraries healthy. And so our pitch was basically, hey, if libraries can't be competitive on a user experience basis with the Netflixes and the YouTubes and the Amazon Kindle online lending libraries of the world, they will cease to have relevancy as a book distributor, and that is bad. So what we want you to do is agree to sustainable terms that take away the weirdness of artificial constraints on digital objects because the way we live our lives, that's not how it works. You just watch things when you want, you read things when you want, um, and we were successful at that. That turned out not to be enough. Um, you know we were we we had spent several million dollars and several years sort of pursuing that and realized that we were going to fail at it. Um, and so we were able to pivot the business into um, what we have actually succeeded at and we you know i you mentioned at the beginning we recently sold Bibliolabs Labs to Lyricist, which is a large library nonprofit global organization huge platform for us to take the work we're doing and you know have it have even more impact for publishers so that's all good um but the business we pivoted into was when we asked ourselves like what can libraries cuz libraries aren't going to be able to compete with Amazon on selection hmm. um you know or or any of those sorts of things so what can libraries succeed at for the next 50 100 years and where we landed was local content what we need to focus on is stimulating and building relationships between libraries and their own local publishers whether that's in your own town uh, whether that's in your own state where we've had the most successes at the state level we've done multiple projects with state libraries and state library consortia where we essentially um, enable books from pu- from publishers within that state to distribute their books in a friction-free model where they're compensated um, within their own state. So we've done that with Minnesota, we've done that with Michigan, we've done that with Texas, we've done that with Mass- Massachusetts, a lot of different states. So the way we approach ebooks is is radically different than the sort of prevailing model of there's an ebook store and libraries come and order ebooks and you loan those out one at a time. All of our content is sim use. Our content can be purchased perpetually by the library, meaning they own the book in the same way they own a print book today, which they really enjoy. Um, and we're also able to, you know, make sure if that ebook becomes a mechanism for discovery for a small publisher, that they are able to um, drive that person who's reading the ebook to a print copy of the book or to drive them to other books in the series that may be available. And so we're really trying to take that library journal data point and actualize it. In, in the world, like how do you how do you actually have the library and the publisher cooperate in a way that we consummate the value of 50% of library patrons going on to buy an author or buy a book from an author they discover in the library and it's a, you know, it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but I think we've, um, you know, certainly now worked with with a lot of large publishers and a lot of state library systems to try to to bring that vision to life so
0: and and that's so like that's through Biblioboard, right so like how does somebody who's a publisher get their book through into Biblioboard so that you all i mean do you i don't know we'll ask that in a second in terms of marketing it but how do you even just get your book into Biblioboard?
1: so it it depends if you're if you're an author publisher um we have a program um that we run out of indieauthorproject.com that allows for the upload of the ebook, the provision of metadata. Um, And we have partnerships with Publishers Weekly, with Library Journal, with the Black Caucus of the American Library Association. We We have 15 of our own regional editorial boards of librarians all across North America. And those books are actually vetted. So when books come through that system, they are looked at by credible publications and basically pass or do not pass that curation process um, based on the quality, based on the packaging, based on the professionalism, all all the things that, of course, IBPA publishers excel at or they wouldn't be part of the organization. But as those books come through and they're vetted, the ones that are vetted are then Um, Those publishers, author publishers are able to opt those books into a royalty paying program that we we manage. Um, If the book does not pass curation, it can still be archived at the library, which we do think is an important function of the library that they're able to archive all of the local books that are published in their region. But the ones that make it through that vetting process then are put into uh, commercial collections that we sell on all ebook platforms. So we have our own direct sales that we make, but we also uh, sell through OverDrive, through Access360, through Cloud Library. We work very closely with Palace Project, which is also part of lyricist which is the old Simply E, which is the, um, or actually it's an, in addition to Simply E, but it's another open source, library owned library platform so um, we make sure the books are available in all those places and we have a royalty system where we have a royalty pool and half of that royalty pool is paid out paid out on transactions and half of that royalty pool is paid out monthly based on circulations so the idea there is it stimulates very robust library local publisher author relationships because the more the library circulates that book, and because it's some use, there's no limit to the number of circulations that can be made. It actually helps that author earn more of the royalty pool. So that is kind of an innovation we brought into this. That really hasn't existed in publishing before, which is being able to, with an exact degree of certainty, um, tell libraries exactly the impact they are having on their own local creative economy by purchasing and supporting books from local publishers, um, and so we actually report royalties by library system, so that those libraries can go to their own local stakeholders and say, "Hey, look, we put ten thousand dollars in the local creative economy this year by supporting our own local indie publishers." And so that's it's a little it's a little bit different the way we do it than the way. The overdrives and, and those folks of the world do it but we think that's that's that that's where the world world is heading so yeah um, and
0: does it cost something for a publisher to no. up- upload their book to the biblioboard no okay mm-hmm. um but you all i guess some like whatever somehow share in the royalties or how, how does all that work
1: yeah, we when we sell the books, we, we split revenue with whatever channel partner has sold that, and then from our share, we create a royalty pool of 20%, and all of that 20% royalty pool monthly is distributed to the participating authors that were part of transactions and that circulated books. So, and it's is this, more, similar to the Kindle. Yeah. Royalty system in that way.
0: Okay. Right, right, right. And is this, we're just talking ebooks, right? Not print books?
1: Just ebooks, yeah.
0: Okay. Um, so, yeah, well, one thing I wanted to ask about um, is in terms of like, you know, just letting a library know your book exists. Because, see, if your book is just on like, let's say, Ingram Spark or Amazon or whatever, that doesn't mean the librarian knows it exists. So, um, you know, how does a author, publisher, or independent publisher then go to that next level and let librarians know. Hey, you know, not only my book's available, but guess what? My book exists and it's great. And h- how do you get your book in front of librarians?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a challenge. Um, librarians are are busy; they have a lot going on. I mean, I think the way we've approached that is that if a book is you know put into our system the first thing is it's going to, if it is going to get a thumbs up from the library journals, the publishers weeklies of the world that we've already partnered with that is a different context in which the author can now contact their library. The libraries know library journal, they know publishers weekly. They use those publications as um a go-by in terms of what they're going to purchase. So if an author, you know, hasn't participated with with Biblioboard Um, you know, they're just pitching their book, pitching the book cold like everybody else. If they're if they work with us and Library Journal or Publishers Weekly has actually said, Yes, this book is of high quality, well, that changes the context of the approach now, right? It's hey, um, Library Journal pick my book, Publishers Weekly pick my book. That does that does make a difference. Uh, I think also what's happened over time is now that we're working with, I don't know, 250 library systems, which is certainly a we got a long way to go to, to be, we got a long way to go, but we work with 250 library systems, a lot of very large systems, state libraries. We have over the years of running this program, developed a rapport with those libraries that if an author makes it through the curation process, we run contests. There is a process whereby titles are elevated um, out of the you know i think we've had almost 16,000 submissions through public libraries over the last few years and only about i want to say last i saw maybe 13 1400 of those have actually been selected as hey this is this is this is one that that really libraries should take a hard look at um the libraries trust us now you know they know if we come back the ones we work with if we come back to them and we say hey, here's the list of authors who've been vetted, and we've actually even done a little extra homework for you and and kind of given you a little bit of a brief here on which of these, these authors do public events, which ones do signings, which ones can maybe help you promote your own local writing programs. We have a amazing success record at getting authors into those kind of relationships with their library and once an author's into that kind of relationship with their library once they're an expert being invited by the library to talk to other authors about that kind of you know about that obviously it 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 opens up all sorts of doors not only to the library ordering their book in in electronic and print now right because they can go now that it has been vetted and it's sort of you know, circulated and electronic, it takes a lot of the risk away, then they maybe order a copy for each of their branches, Um, and it's just got the author coming back and participating at the library, getting in front of other authors, telling their story, getting out into the community, which, of course, as we know, always sells books, I mean, that's the hustle, so um, it's really about getting the library and the author kind of um, cooperatively owning that hustle process, um, and the authors benefit greatly from that.
0: Yeah. So, and as a question, let's say someone's not on Biblio board. Um, if they like, do you, should they go up to their local library and just walk up to the front desk and say, "Hey, I have a book," and like, does that work? And if if it does, like, do you, should they bring a packet with them, like a marketing packet? Like, wh- what do they do to try to then be like, "Can you carry my book?"
1: Well, I mean, I think like anything in life, it depends on the two people and the mood they woke up in in the morning and, you know, a whole bunch of other things that are hard to kind of, you know, peg. But um, generally, they do not like that. I mean, generally, I would say from my feedback, they got a lot going on and they don't need somebody in their face pitching a book. Mm. I think that's really the driver for our whole program is to try to separate those authors out. So now there's a context in which they should take that book seriously or pay attention to it or whatever. Um, you know, I think the thing we, that we have made a bit better is, you know, a lot of libraries, if you look at the physical space of a library, it is being transformed into places that are creative centers, you know, there are now recording studios and libraries, there are writing centers and libraries, there is a lot of effort going into trying to attract local, um, creators in into the library so you know to the degree authors can understand that to the degree authors can make themselves available not in a hey by my widget way but in a hey i understand you are trying to be effective at reaching your own local writing community and i can help you because fill in the blank i do this that whatever um that's a real that that that's serving a real utility for the library. It's helping the library do their job, um, and is going to be a more attractive way to build a relationship. So I would say, you know, any any odd you know, I, I think you know the difference too is that is that they, they're limited on physical space, right? So the elect, you know, I think what we changed was for for a long time, if a if a, if a author publisher or an indie publisher walked in and you know had a physical book in their hand and said hey you should carry my book I mean there's all these processes of cataloging and a whole bunch of other things that the folks walking in just don't have any like purview to that make the answer to that question no I can't just take your book and put it on the library shelf it's going to cost me 35 bucks to catalog it and put a jacket on it and run it through you know so I think what what we have been able to do now is give libraries a way to say, no, I can't take that physical book. But if you have an ebook, you can go here. They can hand them a bookmark or something, and it will go through a process whereby it's going to be vetted. And if it's good, we'll know. And you know, then we'll be able to do something with that book. We'll be able to include it in our collections. So the, the ebook, because there's a limitless shelf space with an ebook, it makes that, that entree a, a, a bit easier. Uh, they just had, until we came along, they really didn't have any way to take an ebook from just an author off the street. That's kind of the problem that, that we, we fixed, or publishers really. It had to go through those vendors, basically.
0: Yeah. Well, so I, you mentioned vetting. So I just wanted to, if you can clarify who vets it? Like, do you all have a team of people that read the book and go, loved it? It was great. Or like, what's the vetting process?
1: Well, the vetting process has some to do with packaging. Um, you know, I mean, the, the the thing about a process like we're running is you can't actually fail many things very fast. And that is the key, right? If there's typos in the book description, okay, well, that's probably a pretty good sign to move on to the next one. Um, if there's no cover or if there, you know, there's a lot of different kind of just basic blocking and tackling kind of things. Um, after that, there is actually an assessment of the book. There is actually a, a, a reading of the book. It's not a cover to cover reading of the book, but it is a uh, a spot check reading. We can use ambient data points like Goodreads and Amazon, you know, six reviews on Amazon saying it's great is different. than If there's 350, you know, you can trust that. So it's kind of an alchemy of hands on getting your eyes on the text and looking at the packaging of the book and saying, you know, would a library be proud to circulate this to patrons? And, you know, now we've, I don't know, we've circulated these books that have gone through this vetting process over a million times and have never had anyone say, oh, this isn't a very good book. So I assume the process is, is working. Um, but that's kind of it. It's kind of an alchemy of, of putting your eyes on it and using what should be pretty trusted data points to sort of augment your own opinion, I guess. Yeah, but, and, so but, and it is and it is done. I should say by by you know we we work with Publishers Weekly has a different process than Library Journal. You know they have a different process than the Black Caucus Day LA where we're looking for the best indie book by an African American author. So you know there are different styles and tastes in the different partnerships we have, but they're all geared at the same place, which is trying to elevate the best of the indie books so that they kind of rise above the rest.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to ask about those trade reviews. So it's my understanding that libraries might even have a specific amount of trade reviews a book has to have before they will or even allow to buy it. So can you you clarify that?
1: Yeah, I think, again, it's it's it's, you know, it's a lot of local practice. I mean, that is one thing you learn about libraries is that it is an egalitarian democracy. I mean, there is no, you know. I mean, there are library schools, but even the library schools teach how to be librarians different. So, you know, it, it really, it is a lot of local practice. It's a lot of, you know, where did the director come from and what's important to them? And, you know, are they more interested in having bestsellers? Or are they more interested in, you know, archiving? You know, it's it's just, it's all over the board. There are no two libraries that run the same.
0: Uh, but it, I imagine it must be helpful if you have a favorable review from publishers weekly or school library journal or something, um, it can only help, I guess.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and I think and I think I think what we introduced was was a was a system that kind of leverages those same brands that the libraries understand and know. And, and can affect the, the author's ability to have that book purchased by a library without having to get that full review. Absolutely, the author should still, if possible, get a full review by Publishers Weekly, Library Journal, um, Kirkus, you know, wh- whoever. I mean, th- those always help, but they're also, uh, you know, they're, they're finite. You know, those publications can only do so many Full editorial reviews of independent books, so I think what we've introduced is sort of a um, favor- you know favorable review light, I guess, if you want to call it something like that, which is you know also a trusted brand, and that the libraries can say, "Hey, here's some local authors I have that may never be able to break down the wall of getting a full editorial review at Publishers Weekly, but Publishers Weekly still said they wrote a really good book. So why wouldn't I take a chance on buying that?
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, and I should mention IBPA does have multiple uh, partnerships with uh, like Forward Reviews and uh, with Publishers Weekly Book Life. So um, anyone yep. listening should should check those out. Um, they're like you were saying. I mean, they're. they're basically a way to talk about vetting i mean they're a way for librarians to go oh okay someone we trust is saying this is a good book Um, so it's interesting because one thing i did want to ask about uh was if there's like a certain genre like fiction versus nonfiction, horror literary fiction like you know if there's something that libraries are like how you know what libraries are seeking i don't know if like you're, and you were saying it's local. So I don't know if there's something, do they list, like does your local library list? We're looking for literary fiction books. Like, how do you know what they're looking for?
1: Well, I think the way, the way we've approached it, and I think we work back to, to what you're, you're describing, but I think the way we've approached it is to to pull everything up a level and just say, Hey, if someone in your community is a book publisher or wrote and completed a book and it's professional, you want to archive that, right? Archiving the creative output of your own community is an important function for a public library. So it's pulling it up just a a level above to the, what we call digital community engagement. Like how do I engage my creative community to not only come and get things from me, whether that's a book, a movie, a, Album. How do I become a place where they actually want to put things? Um, So I think from that standpoint, every book is important to a public library. I think once you then go through the the culling process and and there's now this commercial collection, it is overwhelmingly fiction. Um, We do have children's, we do have nonfiction. I think that the nonfiction stuff becomes a little... And we're doing several projects around this right now where where we're having to kind of dig into this. But, you know, if someone in your local community was a high ranking officer in the Gulf War and they wrote their memoirs, that book is likely of value to you as a library, even if it does not pass the vetting process. It does not have to be a you know because it's a first person account it is a you know it's a different kind of document so i think with nonfiction, um you know we we need to as time goes forward build some sort of um, nuanced um characteristics around that 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 address that and i think we've got several projects veterans memory projects and things like that that are in motion now where we're actually providing tools um, to let the library become a book publisher, um, where the library is able to basically collect veteran stories, and then we help them basically turn those into eBooks and print books. So I think as we move forward and we get a little deeper into those kind of first person accounts and those memory projects, we'll probably develop some more sophistication around nonprofit, I mean, nonfiction, but today um, the, overwhelm- the collection is overwhelmingly, yeah, fiction.
0: Interesting. Um, and I wanted to maybe have you clarify, um, you're using this term archive, but that seems like it's different from them actually carrying the book. Can you you explain what what the difference is?
1: Yeah, so I would say, you know, I I mentioned the six almost 16,000 submissions and only 1,400 or 1,300 of those have been vetted. Um, The way the library is thinking of its role is, that they have a role to archive all 16,000 of those books. The archiving is, but that does not mean that they need to be trying to get patrons in front of those books to read them. If they don't meet the existing um, quality standards or the, the collection development policies of the library, then they are never going to make it into um, a high, the high traffic ebook. It's not gonna make it into Overdrive, right? They're not gonna purchase it to circulate it on Overdrive. But that does not mean that there's not a value to the library archiving that book um, on BiblioBoard so that it's available to that author's or that publisher's friends and family to whoever in the future. So it's really that dual role of the library, both as the archivist of local creative output, which is an inclusive program, while also balancing that with the exclusive program of saying, I'm a library and my brand is, I'm going to put good books in front of you that you're going to enjoy to re- enjoy reading. And I think it's the balance of those two roles that that really is the future of, of, of libraries on the media landscape, honestly. Um, so that's kind of it, you know, there's the inclusive element, which is, hey, if you wrote a book, that's amazing. And, and we want to make sure it doesn't disappear on your hard drive when you die. Um, But we also have a commitment to readers to make sure the books that we're putting in front of them to read are good. So it's kind of trying to balance those two things.
0: I wanted to see uh, before we finish, um, like with Biblioboard in general. Someone just goes to the site. Let's say I'm a publisher, and I, I can, I have a, I mean, I am, I'm author publisher. So, like, you can go to the site, and then you just, like, what's the process basically if you wanted to sign up?
1: Well, there's, you know, I mean, one of the things we we'd like authors to do, or not author publishers do, is check and see if their local library participates with us. You can submit your book regardless. Um, But certainly submitting the book through the library's own program is going to create a little, you know, you still get to put your library and we're still going to connect you with that library. But it does create a little more intimacy in terms of, um, hey, you know, then the message you send them can be, hey, I really appreciate that you guys participate in this program. (laughs) I submitted my book through it and it actually, Library Journal said it was amazing. Our Publishers Weekly said it's amazing, and um, I just wanted to let you know. And it's available for purchase on all the major ebook platforms and in print. You know, um, um, but you know, you can through through our site or through if you're a publisher with multiple titles, you can reach out to us. And we just at that point do what is, I guess, more of a traditional licensing. You know, if, if a publisher has multiple titles, we just we have an agreement and do more of a traditional offline licensing agreement. And then the publisher typically FTPs his books and you know, they go up pretty quickly. So, um,
0: so it sounds like there is still part of a process where the publisher will reach out directly to the library. It's not like you all do that for them, um, you just make the book available and then. The publisher is the one who actually reaches out to the library or, or is it both
1: yeah, I mean it can be both it you know it it it, it can be both I mean you know we are not a publisher um, in a traditional sense, but we end up behaving like a publisher quite often because it is in our best interest to do so like we try to align the author publishers that participate in our system with their libraries to capitalize on opportunities so You know, we may be organizing an author event with the library for them to promote that they're doing this kind of work. Well, you know, it's common sense for us to go and find the authors in that local community who are participating and align them and get them those spots to speak or a table or whatever. Right. Because because we want other author publishers to look at them and say, how do I get there? And again, it just drives more content into the programs. That's our kind of ulterior motive. But um, so it just depends. I mean, obviously, the authors that that can weave this into the way they're approaching libraries and pitching their books anyway, we think it's helpful. But there's also just those, you know, you know, we've paid for we've paid for author publishers to go to events. We've sent them to events. And that just all, you know, a lot of that's like anything else. It's just kind of right place, right time. I mean, you have to have had a good book to even be in there, but then it's just, you know, are we planning an event with a big library in New York? And do you happen to be an author from New York? And, you know, did your book just win the regional contest? And, you know, it kind of like anything in life, it's, there's a lot of serendipity to it as well. But, but um, once you're in that mix, the chances of the serendipity increase.
0: Yeah. And then, if you're reaching out to a library, who's that person like that you reach out to? What's their job title? And then also, are those listed on like your average like library's website?
1: Yeah, I mean, t- typically the there's an acquisitions, you know, at, at a larger you know small library, it's kind of everybody does a little bit of everything. But I'd say at the at the larger library systems, you're going to have someone who's in charge of acquisitions. You're going to have someone who's in charge of electronic resources. Um, and those are the people that are ultimately influencing and driving where the library's money goes in terms of content spend. Um, that may be, you know, I, I, I would say in most cases, those folks are involved in the direct work with us because um, our, you know, our core business is really the libraries paying us to be good at this, mm-hmm. right? They pay us for a branded system to kind of run all this locally. Um, so, you know, sometimes those folks are involved in our universe. Sometimes the folks we're working with are, are more the community engagement folks or the folks who are trying to get patrons to engage with, with the library, not just read ebooks at the library. So it's, it can be sort of a mix of all those folks. Um, but, you know, those are the folks that are typically driving the library program. They're bringing in authors to speak to, you know, do that kind of stuff. So we just, you know, try to find the right, mix of people and um, try to produce positive outcomes.
0: Yeah. And um, like a publisher, if they're trying to find them, they just find out who those people are, like find out at your local library, who the acquisitions person is. Um, You know, like I said, maybe it'll be on the website, or maybe they can go to the library. And like you said, don't, don't bother them and be like, here's my book, but maybe just ask and say, can I get the email, uh, contact information uh, to let them know about uh, my book or something.
1: Sure. Yeah. Or attend, you know, I mean, I think what good thing authors can do is look, do some homework on their own library's website and say, is my library doing programming for local author publishers, you know, are they produced? Cause I think attending some of those events, you know, those become really, really valuable networking events as well. Um, so just attending those events, trying to get a sense of is working with, um, local authors and local author publishers a, a priority for the library and if it is how can I sort of position myself within that to be helpful to the library not press the library to you know buy my thing but but how can I be helpful to the library in achieving that mission and you know the rest sort of you know comes as a comes
0: as a byproduct. Does it help if you also offer to, like, sweep the floors or something like that? Hey, hey, I'll sweep your floors,
1: please. (laughs) It might. It might.
0: Okay, good. Um, And I wanted to ask you about the Indie Author Project. So that's just for, like, author publishers? Or do you also mean independent publishers? Yeah,
1: it's you know, I I think our original idea was that it was going to be author publishers, but it has become more than that. I mean, we have author – I know the Texas Author Association, you know, they actually – provide the service of, of getting their author books up into the, into the service. Um, so yeah, I think it's become, it's become a little bigger than that. There's a lot of, um, smaller boutique publishers that have just made putting books into that program part of what they do. Um, particularly if they see themselves as a service provider who is, you know, essentially helping, um, indie authors get their books out into the world you know um, so it's a mix it's a, it's a, it's definitely a mix mix of both
0: and is that separate if someone tries to get their book through biblioboard you also have to then apply somehow online for indie author project
1: well it you know i would say any most independent publishers today are using indie author project as their conduit to get books into the program we do have a more of a you know b2b licensing kind of program, but, but but typically the way we're working on the kind of um, B2B side is where libraries are basically telling us what they want. So as an example, the Texas State Library, they wanted books from university presses in Texas. And they said, we have this much money and we go out and try to get them as many books as we can for the budget they have so it's really more of a demand driven kind of process on the um i guess more traditional publisher side so i would say any um you know like i said texas author association i think they've uploaded 100 some odd books right so i think you can use that indieauthorproject.com site as either an author publisher or as a small independent publisher to get your books. I mean, we take imprint names, we, we pass imprint names through to the interface. So, you know, the book is going to be presented as coming from that publisher, regardless of, of sort of how it was born. So um, it's, it's, I think it's a, great, it's, a great, it's a great conduit to come to because we don't, you know, when we're doing the B2B licensing, there is none of the vetting. Right. That, that's kind of a different, that's a sort of a little more traditionally done thing. Um, so, yeah, indie yeah, author project is, a, is an amazing front door to get in. Yeah. And I would say I would say also, you know, if, if if it's if it's a small publisher, if you're an organization that's publishing, you know, multiple books from multiple um, independent authors, um, you know, reach out to us, too. And, and let us know that you're sort of using it that way, because it will it will give us a slightly different perspective likely on how we would position those books to the, the local libraries. So um we want to know when that's happening. We have plenty of it happening that's just kind of, you know, we just notice that there's a bunch of publishing imprints that are the same. But but we you know we want to hear from, from folks that are that are using our system. So um yeah that's helpful.
0: Mitchell this has been great. I, I appreciate that you champion any books to libraries. Um it's something that it you know I know it's difficult for them to to get into indie libraries and i mean into libraries and that you all have given a path is wonderful so thank you for doing that i know our members appreciate it and a lot of other indie publishers yeah as
1: well. I, I mean i, I really I, I appreciate you you have me on because i really feel like it is kind of the beginning of, of a new you know there, there's so much Uh, sturm and drang in the kind of publishing industry news about the contentious relationship between publishers and libraries. And the reality is that is a very, very small number of publishers, the big publishers, uh, that create most of that storyline. And I think libraries are quickly approaching a point where they can no longer afford to just buy multiple copies of high-demand books from big big publishers. It is not a sustainable way of operating a library. And I think the answer to all of that is independent publishers. Independent publishers have flexibility. They are willing to work with libraries on a completely different set of terms and a completely different context. Than this very kind of myopic yeah. group of publishers that sort of generate the storyline. So I think, I think it's just the beginning, honestly, of of um, independent publishers and and author publishers really having a huge impact on the library world. And yeah, they need each other. They really do because. Yeah, Amazon has will never care more about books than it already has in the past. <laughs>
0: that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, i mean, well that's great news about this, you know, new concept. I mean, that's great. Let's make 2022 the year of indie publishing and libraries. Let's that would
1: do it. That'd be amazing. That would be uh, amazing
0: so you can learn more about biblioboard at biblioboard.com and the indie author project you can learn more about it indieauthorproject.com see how easy is that your websites are the names of the things that's great um, so, uh, also I want to mention that IBPA has a marketing program called the library market Eblast that sends e to libraries to promote publishers' books. Uh, we also have uh, a booth at the ALA conference every year. So that's the American library association conference. Uh, so anyway, check those out, uh, at the IBPA website, which is ibpa-online.org. And, uh, I, Mitchell, again, thank you for coming on and giving all this really helpful information. Uh, and, um, I can't, uh, Tell you all how much I appreciate you for just listening. I I truly wish you the best on your journey to get into the library market, and hope this has been helpful. So make sure to subscribe and listen to the podcast. Uh, It comes out the last Thursday of every month. And uh, again, Mitchell, thank you, and thank you, everyone, for listening.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. IBPA, I've been doing this for over 20 years, and you guys have been there the entire time and are an incredible resource for the industry. So thanks for doing what you do.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much.